What up, people? Hello, hello, hello. Hey, 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 this is Laura. And this is Ardeen, and welcome to What Happens After Dark. What happens after, after dark? Help me! Help me! That's what happens after dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Has have you guys ever seen them old it's so old. It's like black and white show, um, The Fly. No. Okay, so it and then they redid it. I think Jeff Goldblum actually redid it. But anyways, so in that the guy is a scientist and he turns himself into a fly. And so um he at the end of it, he's sitting on a bench with the woman sitting there, she's mourning like the loss of her boyfriend or something because she doesn't know he's a fly but he's sitting there on the bench and he's like help me help me because he couldn't get himself back from a fly to a human i'm just little and i think she smacked it and killed it i can't remember for sure i need to rewatch that but yeah that's where that comes so when my sister was little we had uh bunk beds and we shared and i was on the top and um, and sometimes we flip, but, uh, I would lean over in the middle of the night and go, help me, help me. And she would freak the hell out. Man. <laughs> Mom, the fly make is going to eat you. Yeah. Fly's going to suck your blood. <laughs> <laughs> she would just scream for my mom and my mom would say, Laura, stop it. Stop that right now. And I'd be like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. That's hilarious. I wish I could see that movie. <laughs> it is so funny. Well, I think it's funny, but it was meant to be like a horror movie, but it's like from the time when movies were still black and white. Right, so. so 30s, somewhere <laughs> in there. So yeah, it's definitely Oh my god, that's funny. That is too funny. <laughs> How horrific is that? Yes. It turns into a fly. Yeah, okay. Is it a killer fly or something? I don't know. I remember like at the beginning he was like a giant fly, oh. but then something happened and he became very tiny. And that's why he would yell, Help me, help me. Because <laughs> nobody could help him. <laughs> so yeah, it was crazy. Oh, that should be funny. I wish we could record that as an effect. I know. <laughs> For all the creepy stuff we do. <laughs> we'll just record you. <laughs> I'll do all the sound effects. It'd be a DJ. <laughs> They'd be like, okay. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> Keep your day job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tell them about these yummy uh, cream puff things. You the have. cream puffs. It's called Beer Papa's Cream Puffs. They are to die for. A They're shout so out for them because they are absolutely delicious. And I'm becoming very addictive to them. Yeah, they're so good. Yes, they are delicious. Yeah. You can't just have one. You no. got to have two or three. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. And she brought a chocolate one, a strawberry, strawberry, and pistachio. All three of them were amazing. With vanilla cream filling. They have chocolate filling, too. I should have done one of Ooh. them with chocolate. Oh, yeah. But the vanilla one is so oh, delicious. Uh, it is. It's mm. really good. Thank you, Papa. Yeah. <laughs> and the crust is so flaky. Like, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah. Delicious. Mm-hmm. We'll get some more. 
Yeah. Get some more for our next recording. Yeah, that'll be like our recording thing. Yeah. It'll be snowballs and, <laughs> and cream puffs. Yep. <laughs> we'll be sugared up by the end of the episode. We'll be like, what? what up? Hey, let's keep going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we have cute news Yeah, We wanted to do something cute, not something negative. So. Yeah. We pulled up this website. It's odd news and, and funny news or something like that. It's upi.com forward slash odd underscore news. Um, and so it's really, we found this one where it talks about becoming like a, per, their New Mexico Department of Game and Fish. They're now hiring professional bear huggers. And so must, the mustars are, must have ability to hike in strenuous conditions have the courage to crawl into a bear den. Oh, geez, I don't know. Um, and have the trust in your coworkers to keep you safe. Um, and so, but the pictures, look at the little baby feet. They're so cute. Maybe we'll put some pictures. Bear. I would do that. I would leave my day job to go be a bear hugger. A bear hugger? Hell yeah. You, you the, need a bear hug? Come here. <laughs> I I just was trying to find like why they're doing that though, and I couldn't see anything. Maybe on they're there. baby bears that have been abandoned by the mom or killed. The mom oh, has been maybe. killed, and they're probably rescuing them. Yeah, I yeah. would think that's what it is. In New Mexico, we're not too far from there. I know we're not far. They're on the four corners with yeah. Us, so mm-hmm. the they are just saying, um, please don't like take it on yourself. Go crawl into bear dens. And, and do this. That would be dangerous and it would be bad. And it says that the the cops will come and talk with you. So don't do that on yeah, your own. Definitely you want to know what you're doing mm-hmm. so you don't expose yourself to mama bear. Yeah. So if you're interested in doing something like that, contact the fish and game people there. Um, New Mexico Game and Fish seeks professional bear huggers. Maybe contact them and... Um, you know, ask how you can become that. But, oh, my gosh. That was so much fun. It was so cute. I love bears. Like, my dream job would be probably in a zoo where I get to take care of animals. I want a baby otter to love, too. I love otters so much. In Florida? Oh, my God. They had this cage with the, what is that monkey? The spider or the spider. The one that had the ring color, like the white, and it has ring, black rings. On the tail, they're really funny. It's from, I think it's from one of those Disney movies. Like a lemur? Lemur, yes. Yeah. There was a baby lemur. Oh, I love the oh, lemurs. Oh, my God. I wanted to go through the cage and just grab it. It was so cute. It was learning how to hang himself. And it would fall, and the mom would be right below catching it oh. and put it back up. And like she was like, you got to learn how to swing. and. And so oh. the baby was, it was so adorable. Oh I was like, gosh. oh my God, give me a job taking care of that little baby. I will take care of it with my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh I would love gosh. that. And I love stingrays. Have you been to the aquarium here in yes, Salt Lake? Yes, the yeah. stingrays, yeah. I love stingrays. I always take so my much. grandkids there when they come visit. And, and reach in the pool and touch, touch them. them. Oh, oh my gosh, I love those. Yeah. And have you ever seen the pictures like where they put them on their back and their faces are literally like smiling. smiley faces? Yes, they have a smiley face. I love stingrays. So we always get the buy the little shrimp so we can feed them. Oh, so the nice. kids can feed them. So they absolutely love that stuff. <sighs> There's an aviary somewhere downtown. Birds? The birds. 
We have to go there. No, I can't be around birds. Remember, they attack me. No, I've been attacked since I was little. No, they're in cages. <laughs> They'll peck out the rest of my hair, and I don't have much <laughs> left. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I got, so there was an eagle there. Ooh. And I'm like, oh, you're so beautiful. But it was like a light brown. Oh, it wow. Was beautiful. And I said, can I have a feather? And I was with Jaden, my grandson. And we walked away in a feather. I found a feather of the eagle. And you can't take them. So I put it in my pocket and under my shirt because it's big. Yeah, they're big. I have it in my altar. And and Jaden's like, don't worry, Grandma, I got you. So he's walking like right really close (laughs) to me, like covering my pocket because we were kind of towards the end of looking yeah. at it. We were just going to get something to eat and leave. He's like, don't worry. If it pokes out or anything, I'll let you know. So <laughs> he, and it was him and Ellie. And so they were all like really close, like trying to cover the feathers <laughs> off so I could leave with it. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, Grandma. I got you. <laughs> he is. He's really my pal. He's got my back. 100%. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love my kids. my Prince Charming. I love him. Oh, so, that's yeah. cool. I've never been there. I've been to the zoo here. Yeah. I love the zoo. And mm-hmm. I've been to the aquarium, which I love even more because I'm a water person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the zoo because of the elephants, mm-hmm. the baby elephants and They're all the so monkeys. Yeah. And I love hippos, too. So I, even though I know those are very vicious, they can be. They're, um, they're actually more dangerous than like a rhino, an elephant, or even a lion. Like they're so territorial. Yeah. And if they come at you, they don't have many teeth, but they'll chomp you. They'll chomp you. Just like in the first Jumanji with the rock, when Jack Black <laughs> gets like taken by the hippo, and they're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. I love those movies. I love the two of them, the rock and Kevin Hart Kevin together. Hart and Jack together. Black. Yeah. I swear that they should just do all movies together because those two are just quite the pair. Yeah, they have like a good on-screen presence. And like I've watched even like videos and they 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 have said they're like best friends. They're best friends. Yeah. They are. And I love the two. Yeah. It's just they're perfect for movies. Yeah, they they're do just so good. So well. I love it when at that part when they're on the mountain and Kevin Hart like pushes the rock off and he falls. <laughs> Because he's so tiny, but my favorite part is when the rock punches him and he like flies oh across God. and it's the and then when Kevin Hart eats <laughs> eats um a cake and he, he's like, see, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Those movies are hilarious. Yes, you can tell yeah, we love I our movies. Love those two. I love those two. Yeah. Like they're a good combo. Dwayne Johnson is like my all-time favorite. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love him. I love him. I love everything about him. Yeah. Have you ever seen the one that's like the CIA intelligence? Oh, yes. I own that movie. Too. That mo- oh, my god. Is gosh. it with the guy from The Office? And it's, is it Anne Hathaway? Oh, no. Let's see who's in that. Okay, so it's The Rock, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has a wife. And um, oh, they went to high one. school together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but there's one that I think it's. The guy from the office, the manager. Oh, with, Steve Carroll. Yes, with Anne Hathaway, and mm-hmm. and he's like the famous agent, secret agent, blah blah blah. And they're like the dumb ones, 
but then they solve the crime. Oh, I've never seen. Is it Get Smart? Get Smart. Okay. That one. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. My God. <laughs> All these hundreds of doors they go through. <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch that one again. I don't remember it very well. Oh, it's so good. I I love all of his, his movies, all of them. Yeah. I just wish I could have them all. I should maybe just buy them all. Start buying them all. I love the um the intelligence one because when they go to the bar, um the rock is wearing like a unicorn shirt. <laughs> It's like real tight and stuff. Oh, I got in the one that he does. I think he's the fairy. Oh, the tooth fairy one. Yes. And the one where he's like a football and he has that little girl. He's a football player. Yeah. Game something. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. It's. It's the beautiful. only one I didn't like him in is the Fast and the Furious. I because re- there was so much tension between Vin Diesel and him, no. and I felt like The Rock came in and like messed up my Fast and the Furious stuff. Because I love the Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. That's me and my Zach, my son. That's mm-hmm. our thing. But so I was I didn't really like him in that. But I think he does such a good at like comedic, uh-huh. you know, presence. And yeah. so yeah, him and Kevin Hart they play well off each oh, other. Oh, they sure do. They- yeah. They definitely should do all movies together. They're they're just yeah an excellent pair. Excellent. Yeah, they're hilarious. All right. So what are we gonna talk about? <gasps> what episode yeah. do we have for you guys today? Drums. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and this one is not too old, really. It's like it's in the late 80s that this happened so oh, okay. um our disclaimer is usual what happens after dark does not condone violence or murder we are just here to present the facts of some really screwed up individuals um so we're going to be talking about Stephen pinnell um he did become known as the root 40 killer um after he abduct, abducted tortured and murdered at least three women between 1987 and 1988 so um and I found all my information on Wikipedia, uh, Murderpedia, and then there's one other, but I'll cite that one when we get down to it because I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, so let's talk about his early life. So Stephen Brian Pinnell was born on November 22nd, 1957 in Wilmington, the first of William and Elaine Pinnell's two children. Um, in childhood, Pinnell seemed a good, shy, and timid kid, always helpful toward neighbors. He seemed fascinated by police work, often quizzing um, one of his police neighbors about his work when he arrived home in his cruiser. By high school, uh, Pinnell was up to six feet and known as a gentle giant. So he was a big honka man. Yeah. Um, Pinnell graduated in 1976, where he spent two semesters studying criminology and at a now defunct college with a lifelong dream of becoming a police officer. He applied to the Wilmington Police Mm -hmm. Cadet Program, but failed the physical testing. So they didn't take him in. Mm. Um, so then he, um, Pinnell became a certified, um, qualified electrician in 1987 he was married and had two sons and a daughter from his um so the daughter was from his wife's previous uh, marriage and they lived in glasgow um in a it's called glasgow trailer home near route 40 so they live like in a mobile home community um people normally looked at him and thought oh you know he's a good family man he played sports with his children 
uh, gave neighboring kids rides to school and even dressed as Santa Claus for the holidays. Um, and I just feel like, like the girls from, and that's why we drink Christine and, and they're always saying pillar of the community. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I love those two girls. <laughs> yeah. We love you, Christine and, and M. We, we love do. you. And the morbid girls too. I love you guys. Yeah. They um, were our inspiration. inspiration for doing this. So yep. thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so here we got the pillar of the community, but he's not really a pillar of the community. <laughs> so. Um, in addition to his electrical jobs, he became a part-time bouncer. Um, and then he, and he was standing at six foot five inches and weighing yeah. around 300 pounds. So he was literally, he was, he was ginormous. Like yeah. Holy so, God. I mean, that's perfect for being like a bouncer Oh yes. just because people will just be detoured from his sight, mm -hmm. you know, just by looking at him. Yeah. Um, so Pinnell period intimidating, but a former customer of his uh, of his once said it was a facade. He just commanded respect. He so just by his presence. Yeah. Um, Pinnell's career as an electrician was a dud, and he couldn't hold down a job for very long. He ran up credit card bills, which put a strain on his marriage, causing incidents of domestic violence. Um, Pinnell broke his wife's arm at one time. Yeah. Um, and it was never reported to the police, but yeah, he broke her arm. What the heck? So he, he may, people may have looked at him like the gentle giant, but there was nothing gentle. No, about him. no. Just the giant. Yeah. <laughs> I know. There you go. I mean, his home life was totally different than what he, Portray. which I think a lot of people, I mean, there's, you never know what goes on behind closed yeah, doors for exactly. anybody. And um, some people portray what they're not. Yeah. Outside. Oh, yeah. My dad was like the star player of that team, yeah. you know, my and ex. my ex. Yeah. My ex, too. I mean, everybody loved him. It was like, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, you only really? do. I yeah. know. Here. Like, oh, my God. Have him. Yeah, take him. <laughs> sure. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how this guy was, too. So we're going to go into the victims um, and talk about them. Um, first one was Shirley Ann Ellis. Um, and so this is her story. So it was a chilly, rainy night on November 29th, 1987. Um, through the though the holiday had passed three days earlier, Ellis was carrying a Thanksgiving platter for an AIDS patient undergoing treatment at the Wilmington Hospital. Shortly before 6 p.m., she left the warmth of her family's home in Newark, Brookmont Farms development and began the 14-mile trek. So she was going, she literally was walking 14 miles to get to take this AIDS patient, a Thanksgiving dinner. This lady was amazing. Um, so, uh, and she, she was an ex prostitute, but I don't judge prostitutes or anybody in that industry because I mean, you, ha you do what you do to survive, mm -hmm. you know, and you never know what you you're going to have to do. So, mm -hmm. um, so she knew route 40 really well. Because that strip of highway is known as like if you want to pick up a sex worker, that's that's the oh, highway okay. you go to. Um, this is all in Delaware. Um, so I believe uh, I will double check that. Okay, the twenty twenty. She was only twenty three. Um, so and had, she had distanced herself from the life of a streetwalker, even purchasing books for nursing school. Even so, she was well aware that the best way to catch a ride into the city was to hitchhike along mm -hmm. Route 40. 
um, the area just south of Wilmington where she'd fly, uh, where she had been prostituting. As she walked along the corridor, a car pulled up and offered her a ride. Two teenagers. Um, so the next part is going to talk about like who found her and stuff. So obviously the car she got into was Stephen, Stephen Pinnell's car. Oh. So, um, so it's two teenagers looking to close the holiday weekend in the ideal makeout spot discovered Ellis's body around 925 that, that evening. So she left at six and just within three, three and a half hours, she was then murdered. Um, she was partially clothed. Her legs spread apart. The mm. autopsy told a, um, a McCrebe story of torture and mutilation. Ellis had been bound at the feet and the ankles. Black duct tape, likely used to prevent her from screaming, was still attached to strands of her hair. There was no evidence of sexual assault, um, but the autopsy did reveal that Ellis was tortured with work tools before she died. Yeah. The killer then wrapped a ligature around her neck and repeatedly struck her over the head with a hammer. Just awful. Investigators were stumped. There was no reason for Shirley Ellis to be killed, um, recalls Kathleen Jennings, the state prosecutor who eventually stared the accuser down in a tough cross-examination. There was no angry boyfriend or anything that would connect a murder to her death. Um, for, t- for a time, people believed it was an interstate trucker because, you know, there's so many trucks like going through there. Mm-hmm. They were like, this is an easy thing for them to do, you know, get somebody and they dump them and they're and gone. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our next victim that we're going to talk about is Catherine DeMauro. Um, So it happened again seven months later, according to court documents, Catherine DeMauro was walking along Route 40 around 11.30 p.m. on June 28, 1988. The 31-year-old divorcee had a history of prostitution arrest, but it's unclear if she was working that night when she accepted a ride from a stranger in a blue van. Um, I always call the, the vans that have no windows and stuff Chester the molester vans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I picked that up from, but whenever I see those, I'm like, yep, there's a Chester the mess. molester. <laughs> and I won't park near a van like Mm-mm. that at Mm-mm. all because I don't know if it was Silence of the Lambs or I forget, but it was like they could so easily just snatch you, oh, yeah. throw you in the van, and, and nobody's going to see. N- nobody knows. So I avoid vans at all costs. Ooh. Um. So workers building the Fox, workers building the Fox Run apartment complex found her body at 6.25 a.m. the next morning. DeMauro was found completely naked. That was the only difference. Everything else was the same. Her wrists and ankles were browned, and she was silenced with duct tape. So, again, there were no signs of sexual activity, but the victim was tortured and mutilated with work tools. Yeah, she was Mofo. also strangled with a ligature and a bludge and bludgeoned with a hammer. Everything was consistent with the Ellis case. So um, this same is memo. yep Just same last, all the clothes gone. Yep, it's getting better. Yep. So um, this that was from um, James Hedrick. He was a former Newcastle County Police Captain and a member of the task force that co- actually captured Pinnell. Um, he also said, we, fell, we felt 
that the same person was responsible for both murders. Um, this time, however, the killer left a clue. DeMaro was covered head to toe in blue carpet and fiber. Maybe he worked at that site. I don't know why he dumped her there, but he wasn't like construction worker. He wasn't. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. Um, so, let's see. So, a week later, officers from the Delaware State. Yeah, it was Delaware. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I thought I remembered that. Um, state police and the Newcastle County Police Department sprang into action. A task force was formed, complete with its own headquarters near the Newcastle County Airport. With roughly 60 members, it was the state's third largest police department for a time. Mm. Um, we had access to airplane, helicopters, and rental vehicles, Hendricks said. Money wasn't an issue. I don't know anyone who has ever worked for a government agency where money wasn't an issue. We had an unlimited budget, is what he was saying. Um, task force members met with the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit in Quantico, Virginia, the borough, the bureau concluded the unthinkable. A serial killer had come to Delaware. Route 40 was the only connection between the two victims. Soon, undercover female officers dressed as prostitutes walked along the stretch of the highway looking for clues. They would engage in flirty banter with the men who stopped, but they never got into a vehicle. Meanwhile, other task force members were trying to identify the strange fibers found on tomorrow. So our third victim then, and there's going to be others that we're going to mention, um, but they, I don't think it was ever like tied to him. So the third one is Margaret Lynn Finner. On August 22nd in 1980, a 27-year-old sex worker, Margaret Lynn Finner, um, disappeared. A number of witnesses had seen her enter a blue Ford um, driven by a white male near Route 13. About three months later, her body was found by a hunter near the Chesapeake, Delaware Canal. Her body was so badly decomposed that the exact cause of death could not be determined, although signs of torture were visible on her remains. Mm. Finer was identified um, using dental records. So he targeted prostitutes. Yeah, and that corridor, those corridors of the freeways, because it was just really easy. Mm. Okay. Um, And then we're going to talk about Michelle Gordon. Two days later, 22-year-old Michelle Gordon, a local sex worker known for frequenting Route 40, disappeared. Witnesses saw her enter a blue Ford identified as a panel car. On September 20th, her body was found on the rocks in the Chesapeake, Delaware Canal. In the autopsy, it was discovered that she had been drugged with cocaine, which had caused her heart to stop before the torture had begun. Um, so, in a way, I'm really glad that at least, you know, she wasn't alive to endure that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last one is Kathleen Meyer. On September 23rd, 26-year-old Kathleen Ann Meyer of Brookmont Farms disappeared. A police officer saw her get into a blue Ford on mm-hmm. Route 40. At 9.30 p.m., he was able to write down the license plate number, which turned out to belong to Pinnell's car. Nice. But her body was never found. Really? Yeah, never found. Oh. Oh. I hate it when they don't find the bodies. Yeah, or they find them, but they're listed as Jane Doe or, you know, because there's just. So decomposed, they can't tell yeah. who they are. So families, like, never get closure, closure. which is heartbreaking. So, so the initial suspicions. 
On September 14th, 1988, Renee Tashner, an undercover police officer posing as a sex worker, roamed Route 40 in an attempt to capture the killer. After passing several vehicles, she spotted a blued Ford seven times in 20 minutes. He went to, or sorry, she went to a more isolated area and the vehicle stopped next to her. The driver was white with Tashner uh, noticing that the floor had a blue carpet. The man appeared nervous, hardly looking at her eyes, but still attempted to convince her to enter the car. She refused, claiming that she was tired, but managed to tear some fiber from the blue carpet and write down the license plate number. Upon examination of several license plates, it emerged that the vehicle belonged to Stephen Brian Pinnell, a 31-year-old electrician, married and father of two, with no criminal record. Wow. Yeah. It's what, all. What blows my mind is some of these have families. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. I mean, his community thought he was just this amazing human you know, always out there playing with the kids and stuff, but mm. that's not his true identity. Do you think the wives know? I don't know. I I mean, in this case, I don't think so because he, it was so like opposite lives. But if you look at like even Ted Bundy's mm-hmm. wives, and stuff, they just, they didn't know. Yeah. They're so good at like manipulating. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, manipulating. So- who knows what excuses he gave her to go out at night, you know? Yeah, exactly. Maybe he waited until the kids and her were asleep. Sleep Maybe she something. he was drugging her to stay asleep. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. <gasps> Twisted. 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 Yeah. So let's talk about his capture. So Delaware Public Profe- uh, Prosecutor Charles Overly approved a police warrant of the panel van while at the same time searching for other offenses for which they could arrest Pinnell for. While searching the vehicle, um, prints matching the blood and hair of the victims, as well as the same adhesive tape used in um, DeMaro killing, were found. A torture kit was also found, which included pliers, whips, handcuffs, Mm. needles, knives, and restraints. Um, Pinnell was arrested on November 29, 1988, a year after he murdered the first victim, and was charged with killing three, Ellis, DeMauro, and Gordon. He decided to invoke his rights to remain silent, so he pleaded the fifth. Mm. <coughs> hmm So. Sorry, guys, I keep, I'm still coughing. Um, so all that's interesting.com documented that Pinnell was pulled over for a routine traffic violation on September 30th, as he was taken to court to pay his fine, a listening device was installed in his van. Investigators took carpet fires, uh, fibers, fabric swatches, and photos of the interior and exterior of his van. They saw that the van um, contained further disturbing evidence, pliers, a whip, handcuffs, needles, knives, and restraints. Um, the investigation continued, but Pinnell was suspected, suspecting surveillance. So he's like, okay, they're watching me. I gotta watch uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he also found the covert bug that when he was cleaning his van, like the listening device they had planted. Um, Following this, officers raided his home and further searched his van. On November 12th, a hunter discovered skeletal remains near the canal. And that's when they um, revealed it was Margaret Finer. 
uh, missing since, since August 22nd, Pinnell was arrested at his home for murder on November 29th, 88, exactly one year after he claimed his first victim. And what he said was, I guess it's time. That's what he said to the arresting officers. So that I added that in there. It did repeat a little bit, but um, that was a take from allthatsinteresting.com, which I kind of liked. I added that in because I kind of liked what they had to say because I felt like it broke it down a little better. Yeah, if it's what, like, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Wow. So like, he, he. They don't care. Yeah. So he, when they, he went in to pay the fan, fine, they did that all to his van, but when he started suspecting, you know, hey, they're coming after me, they see me, they're mm-hmm. watching me, and then um, found that bug, you know, they, he knew then, he knew he, he was in trouble. His time was coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm sure his wife knew by this time now <gasps> that course. they raided the home. Can you imagine the kids and stuff? Yeah. How they must have felt for a little thing. That's a sad thing. I That's mean, I feel bad for the women, mm-hmm. but also for the kids mm-hmm. to see their dad, like, get hauled and away. And not understand what's going on. Yeah. That's just... That's so sad. People don't think. Um, so the trial we're going to talk about now. So at the start of the trial, a panel of defense attorneys claimed that the initial fiber taken by Officer Tashner was obtained illegally because it was taken from his car. Judge Richard Gublin dismissed these allegations, saying that the carpet was visible to Teshner's eyes as soon as she opened the vehicle. So evidence from these fibers was legal. Once the fibers were examined, it was shown that they had DNA uh, residues belonging to the victims. It was the first trial in the United States that ever used DNA evidence as absolute legal evidence. Evidence and I found that really interesting that it wasn't until the late 80s until they actually started implementing DNA mm-hmm. into helping. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, Gedlin had to set a legal precedent and listen to the opinions of experts and scientists who helped verify the DNA evidence. So let's talk about the first judgment that he got. So on November 23rd, 1989. Um, the jury reached a decision and convicted Pinnell of murdering DeMauro and Ellis, but acquitted him of Gordon's murder because of lack of evidence. The jury decided not to recommend the death penalty, but two life sentences. Shortly after the decision, a bouquet of flowers was sent to the prosecutor's office with a note reading, you made us feel human again from the women of Route 40. Oh, how cool. Oh, yeah, because they saved them, yes. you know, from any others ha- having that happen. So that's awesome. Um, Pennell's lawyer appealed the court's decision on the grounds that the fiber was obtained illegally. The court dismissed it and based on new evidence introduced to the case, convicted Pennell of murdering Gordon and Meyer. At this point, Pennell dismissed his lawyer and asked to represent himself. Oh, how a, arrogant. Mm-hmm, a decision Please. the court approved. Of course, they're going to approve it because he's going to. He's stupid. He's stupid. Yeah. He's going to mess up. Yeah. He's going to put himself in the mess. So in a surprising move, he announced that he wished to receive the death penalty. He argued that the entire Constitution began with a verse from the Hebrew Bible. As soon as the court found two witnesses who could testify to his guilt, he deserved the death penalty under the Bible's laws. He cited two passages from the Bible to explain his position. It doesn't give those verses or else I would have put those in there. So 
Um, second judgment. On October 31st, 1991, the court sentenced Connell to death under the Delaware State Constitution. Every death penalty judgment requires a further hearing from the Supreme Court. And on February 11th, 1992, Pinnell Pinnell appeared before them demanding that he be sentenced to death. He was the only defendant in Delaware's legal history to represent himself before the Supreme Court and the only man convicted to willingly seek the death penalty. Wow. Yeah. However, he pleaded not guilty to the murders and spoke um, of the murder in the third person, saying that the killer was enjoying the process of the murder, but not the murder itself. The Delaware State Attorney General objected to the death penalty, but the judges sentenced Pinnell to death anyway. His execution was scheduled for March 14, 1992. Yeah. Um, So there were some appeals. Two people appealed against Pinnell's execution, but both were unanimously dismissed by the court. His wife, Vera Catherine Pinnell, appeared via... appealed the Supreme Court's decision. She received help from the local branch of the American Citizens Association and a law professor who was one of its directors. He argued in this appeal that Pinnell was insane and could not fully understand the gravity of his actions. So the trial should be reopened, with Pinnell being barred from representing himself. Um, And the Supreme Court said, no, you're stupid, go away. Um, And his execution. If I was the mm-hmm. wife and I found out. That he had done all that shit. Why in the hell? Bury him right now. Yeah. Why are you before fighting? Before I do. Yeah. Why are you fighting, fighting to, keep him, to keep him alive? Maybe she was in denial. But I mean, with all the DNA evidence from his van, how could it, she remain in denial? I don't know. I mean, it's up to I. it's up to her. But I don't know that, you know, there's. These women that fantasize about being with a serial killer, yeah. and that's why they receive all these letters yeah. like, We love you, let us marry you. Yeah. You know, oh, so it's insane. So, his execution. So, prior to the execution, numerous reporters tried to ask Pinnell for uh, exclusive interviews, hoping to reveal the location of Meyer's body. He turned down every request. When it came close to his execution date, he agreed to be interviewed by one newspaper with his lawyer present. During this interview, Pinnell revealed no new information nor where he had hidden Meyer's body. On March 14, 1992, at 9.49 a.m., Pinnell was executed by lethal injection, becoming the first person executed in Delaware in 46 years and the 165th person to be executed in the United States since the death penalty was reinstated in 1976. Um, his last meal consi- um, consisted of crab cakes, steaks, corn on the cob, french fries, bread and butter, and one cola. Mm. <laughs> and so the pop art or fan fiction, whatever. So for television, um, there was something called a show called Mark of a Killer, um, the I-40 Killer. It's season three, episode one, and it aired on April 12th, 2021. Um, there's something else called the grave secrets, the signs of their bodies. That one is season three, episode one. And it, um, was out on November 16th, 2016. So that is our route 40 killer. Um, and glad to get his energy out of my space. Yes. 
Um, but I did find that it was interesting that there were so many like firsts with him, like first to have the DNA, you know, the first person in 46 years to be killed by mm -hmm. execution. Um, so there were just a lot of firsts with him, but really glad they caught him before he did any more damage. Exactly. He was just getting started. No. Yeah. And they get, the thing is these guys, they get off on it. They do. It's so, like they get this thrill and they want more and more and more. Yeah. So I'm glad they stopped them when they did. The only thing is I don't. So it, a lot of these serial killers, you know, they like rape or do something. But mm -hmm. in all his victims, yes, their legs were spread apart, but they were not sexually abused. Yeah. No. So I just I find that I don't know. I don't know what his brain makeup was that, you know. I don't know what flipped because even in his early childhood, there was nothing like how the other ones have like this controlling crazy mom, crazy mom or an alcoholic or, father. Yeah. So I just, I don't know what made him tick. And that one, that aggravates me when I can't figure out what makes someone tick like that. Because yes. others, it's easy. Like with Ed Gein, his mom was this controlling lady, yes, yes. you know, and even with Fritz, that we did or the honka honka that yeah, we did or, it was his or Camargo the monster of the Andes was a prostitute she kicked him out yeah because he was touching you know his sister's booth but <laughs> that's what he's seen yeah you know all these men touching mommy's boobs uh, he's probably wondering yeah. you know what it's like he's eight years old he can't know exactly. anything and so she gets mad and kicks him out like the ignorance so I just don't, this one didn't point to any of that. And so it really had me stumped, but I'm really glad that we did him. Um, he, I haven't heard his story on any other podcast, so it was an original. Um, nice. So I like that. I'm trying to find stories for us that where they are like that. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I mean, to enjoy a serial, serial yeah, no, killer. <laughs> it's creepy, but if you're into it, I'm sure you're going to, you know, love to hear about it. Yeah, so. uh, like we do. Yeah, like we do. <laughs> we're, we're, we're freaks. <laughs> we're the weirdos. We're weirdos and freaky deekies. So, yeah, if you're like us, then I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> yeah. Even though it gives you the creeps, but it's like, wow. Yep, yep. All right, guys, so I'm choosing from my, it's called Namaste Blessing and Divination cards today. Um, I love these cards. The vibes are so good from them, and they has Lord Ganesha on the front, which I love Lord Ganesha so much. So this one is the Infinite Blessing. Blessings mm. flow to and from you, endlessly expanding in all directions, filling you with the healing light that guides you upon your blessed path. Rainbow light flows from your heart, creating infinite peace. And this one really goes well with Reiki. That's the mm -hmm. first thing that started coming to my mind. Because when you're giving somebody Reiki, um, you are like, you're giving that healing light to them to that heal energy, them. Yes. And mm -hmm. so this would be a good mantra for everybody to say, I think, I think it would help them in their day. So maybe I'll take a picture of this one and post it. Yeah. Um, just so if you want to use this as like a morning um, affirmation. Affirmation. Yeah. Exactly. That's help. what I was thinking. Yes, definitely. So I that's, love it. yeah, I love those cards, but be a blessing to somebody. Don't, don't drive a Chester the Molester van and kill yeah. somebody. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, give them love and light. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Keep don't your work tools where they belong. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Okay. So let's go over our website. Yes, where you can find, find us. Find us. So you can listen to our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Samsung, Podcast Inbox, Deezer, Listen Notes, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, RSS.com, and tune in. Yep. And then please email us at yes. what happens after dark ll at gmail.com. What happens after dark ll at gmail.com because we really want your stories yes. and your comments and tell us how you would like to see us improve. Are we spending too much time being joking? You know, whatever. Um, share that with us so we can continue to improve and bring you what you want. Or if you want us to share something mm -hmm. personal, some experience or anything that you have gone through, you know, and you want us to put it in an episode, let us know. S email it to us. Give us the details. Tell us how much you want us to share, how much you want us to keep confidential. Uh, give us the permission to put it out there and We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll share it. That's what we want to do. So please, please, please email us. Yes. And then you can find us on Facebook at Luna Wadley. That's L-U-N-A-W-H-A-D-L-E-E. -E. Instagram, what happens after dark L-L. And TikTok, WAD1210, W-H-A-D-1210. And then we also have a Patreon. Patreon. And if you're a donor, there is perks. Mm -hmm. So you should go on there and take a look. And we would appreciate it because then we can upgrade our equipment and travel and bring you more content. Yes. Yes, please. So please donate. Patreon.com. Look us at what happens after dark. Yep. And donate. And we're going to start uploading our episodes on there yeah. too. So if you want to. You know, look at the episodes on there. By all means, please do. And we're still working on our website. Yes. That's to come very soon. Uh, we're going to have merchandise. That's to come soon. So, Yay. please, please, please. We will be forever grateful. Yep. We love you, our listeners. Thank yes. you for listening and sharing. Thank you so much. So, thank you for being with us today at this episode. And bye. Bye. bye.